Pilots have seen things most people will only dream of. Your host, Jeff Lively, has had his fair share of time in the sky and has plenty of stories to tell. Here on Leaders of Aviation, we're speaking with others in the aviation industry to get their insight and inspiration. Together, we'll gain knowledge to pursue our goals. Life's a journey. Enjoy the flight. What's going on, y'all? This is Jeff, your host for the Leaders of Aviation podcast. Thank you for joining us today on another episode. I am very excited to bring this guest uh, to you today. Uh, his name is Jeff Kearns. He resides in Fresno, California. He is a corporate pilot, a CFI, a musician, and a former professional skier, and also a crypto expert. Jeff, welcome. Hey, how's it going? Thank you. Hey, doing great, man. Again, thank you for joining today. And uh, so just uh, who who is Jeff? I'm also Jeff, right? I, I have a question for you. Do do people, um, do they ever come up to you and say, my name's Jeff? Yeah, yeah, from uh, 21 Jump Street, right? All the time, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And thank God it was Channing Tatum and Tatum that did that, right? Claim the fame. Exactly. Um, you know, you know what's funny is the guy I fly with, my coworker, whose name is Jeff as well. And then there's about two or three other Jeffs, like at our FBO or, you know, where I'm based out of. Uh, you know, all carry the same title. So <laughs> that's awesome. So you're saying that I have a future in, in aviation. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, the two F's is, is really the sign that, that you're going to make it. You know, if you're a Jeff with just one F, I, I don't know, man. I couldn't vouch for you. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, that's that's awesome. So, all right. Um, it's going to say it, it, it sounds weird when it's when I say Jeff, you know, since that's my name. Is yeah, my name. yeah, for sure. Um, so t take us back to to your childhood, man. Like where, where did you grow up and and, uh, you know, how just Yeah. You know, where, where, where did you grow up? Sure. Um, I grew up in Fresno, California. Uh, I did all my primary school and high school there. And then uh, after high school, I went into the army. And I served in the Airborne Infantry as a um, in scout platoon. I wasn't a scout sniper, but like I served as a senior scout observer. So um, in that capacity, we were doing you know those types of missions, and uh, I was stationed in Alaska. And then after that, got out um, and went back to school. Knew I always wanted to be a pilot. So when I was in college, I was working about three jobs and uh, working construction for my dad during the day going to school um or excuse me on my days off obviously and then going to school and then waiting tables at night and then flying when i could and uh, yeah i started flying um when i was in well i started before that but you know the good old off and on stuff where you, you start and you stop and uh, but anyways, I, I really got to it when I was in college. And then after I graduated college, I went to like an expedited school um, to get my multi-engine and then my multi-engine commercial. So I could log all that multi-engine commercial time as PIC. And then right after that, I happened to have an acquaintance who um, or a family friend who owned a King Air 200 and a Citation Bravo. And I got on with a charter company that he leased back his aircraft to. And that's where I got my start was in the right seat of the King Air. 
And then, um, yeah, from there, around 500 hours, I um, got my full type on the citation, which was a blessing. Um, I didn't know many people at the time who got uh, their full type at 500 hours, you know. Yeah. So that was the experience. Um, yeah. And then from wow. there, I flew by about a year, 135. And then now I have my part 91 job, uh, which I fly a Gulfstream G150. We like to call it the Fisher Price of Gulfstreams because it's the, the, TTBT, the tiny TTBT one, or however you say it, you know. Um, yeah, so that's where I'm at right now, and I'm loving it. Okay, so there's a lot to digest there. That's awesome. Um, so yeah, then. Yeah. So coming, did you go to the army straight out of high school? I did. I was like 19 and, uh, yeah, I, um, what do they always say? Young, dumb and full of cum. I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, uh, yeah, I, um, I went straight to, and I wanted infantry and I wanted airborne. Um, I wanted to be a parish or, you know, after watching band of brothers, stuff like that, I always knew I wanted to be a soldier. The two things in my life, I would say three was soldier, musician, and pilot. Pilot was number one always. Um, you know, growing up as a little kid, like going to the airport was like going to the zoo for me. You know, I'd look at pilots in awe and, you know, I could, you know, you'd look out the window and all the airplanes on the tarmac or on the apron and just, um, you know, I knew every, like, you know, how would you say, like people know, sports figures and they collect baseball cards and stuff. I, I was just really into um, military aviation. So I knew all about the aces and, you know, World War II aces. And that's, that's what really fascinated me. And that's what drove me to, so I'm, yeah, drove me to become a pilot and living my dream. So. Awesome. So, you know, thank you for your service first off. Um, you know, I, I was also, I don't know if you know, I'm also in the Texas army national guard. I went to, uh fort benning for for basic as well and uh yeah i, I know a little bit of your pain <laughs> yeah yeah you're, you're a nasty girl huh yeah yeah nasty national guard <laughs> <laughs> right and and i assume uh that will you you were active duty yes yeah. cool for for how long did you do that uh three years i got stationed up in um alaska and um the, it was during obama's time so um that's a pretty recent it was no nah, it was back in like i got in 09 oh, okay like yeah so okay a while back yeah getting old <laughs> no no worries i yeah. i joined in uh uh 2015 myself um in cool. this time as well uh cool man so uh so served your time in the in the army up in up in alaska and then you know after after that what was your next step? You know, did, I assume the GI bill came into play. Correct. Yeah. Um, that was a, a real blessing. Um, you know, I got my education. I went back to, I went to Fresno state, the bulldog. Um, and, uh, while I was there, I was trying to figure out what I was going to do for my major. Actually, first I went to community college, but you know, graduated and went to Fresno state after that. Um, I was just figuring out like, you know, how am I going to do this? what what makes sense you know i didn't really have any direction um but i knew i wanted to be a pilot so i was like you know what why not take the path of least resistance and i was always good at um geography so i did geography which tied into aviation you know um and i emphasized in meteorology 
and I had a ball. Like I, I really enjoyed my classes. They came easy to me so I could focus on aviation, you know, while I was taking geography, I was studying for, you know, my instrument rating. And, uh, I was really blessed to be able to kind of fall into that to where I was able to have a major. Cause I know a lot of people, they, um, they juggle all that and they become overwhelmed. And, and, uh, I was just lucky that I took something that I, uh, that came natural to me and, and I was able to do my flight training at the same time. So when did you start your flight training? Since you said you were working on the instrument at that time. Oh, geez. Um, you know, I started like, two, like off and on 2014, 15 or maybe 15 ish. But when I really started with 2000, I think I got my private in um, 15 or 16 and like 17 was kind of the year I really put my foot down. So I, I got my private sometime around there, but like, from instrument on, I really like started in, I believe 2016 or 17. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. So as far as like Fresno state and with geology and meteorology, I've, um, I also did a, a stint at Penn state university for, for meteorology. Um, I, th- I thought I wanted to be a, you know, one of those TV meteorologists that, you know, yeah. <laughs> always yeah. trying to look good and, and tell people what the weather's going to be and it not happen anyway. But yeah, I, I, yeah. but w- with that being said, uh, I've talked to, I'm sure you have as well. I've talked to other pilots and there's a lot of, a lot of pilots are, are really interested in, in meteorology. Like myself, I've, I've been a storm chaser since I was four years old, you know, chasing tornadoes across the Midwest and, uh, it just, it fascinates me to, to see just the yeah. same, like you were in the army. I'm in the army. You like uh, meteorology. I love, uh, I like meteorology. You yeah. are in aviation. I'm in aviation. I just, I find that interesting. Yeah. You know, that's the best part about aviation is uh, so many like-minded people. And then also they're so willing to help, you know, so anyone listening to this, you're starting out, I, you know, something I always recommend is just immersing yourself in the culture, meaning just go to, you know, go work at a flight school on the line, you know, pumping gas. Like, that's what I did uh, just to meet CFIs, to befriend them, to, you know, just make friends on the field because that those opportunities, those people, you know, in aviation, everyone's so willing to help because like you said, when I have such a background, you kind of mesh and gel. And those people really are, were instrumental in my career kind of taking off. So um, yeah, that's an extremely good point. For sure. And then you also said you were doing three jobs in college. So how did you have time to fly, study, uh, social life, and then work? Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I, I make it out to seem like I was, you know, that was hard. But coming from the infantry, living in the Yukon, you know, <laughs> it, where they were paying me to go to school just to talk to pretty girls all day. I mean, study. And, oh yeah, you know, work and, 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 and mind you, like I was working construction for my father. My father owns a pool company. And, uh, so, you know, um, if I needed the time off, he understood and waiting tables, but luckily they were really understanding of me going to school. So it, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't too overwhelming. I was, I was able to manage quite well. So. Uh, so of the three jobs that you had, what was your favorite? Oh gosh, man. Uh, 
you know, it, working for your father, I don't know if you ever worked for your family, you're kind of in debtful servitude. So you find yourself doing the jobs that nobody else wants to, or, you know, it's yeah. just easy for your dad to be like, hey, go do this. Because everyone else is like, I, I don't get paid enough. So uh, I might cross that one off the list. I, but I enjoyed it. Um, you know, being a fair skinned guy in Fresno during the summer, digging pools was not the, you know, it didn't really make mix well, but uh, I don't know. I, I would say I liked, um, I, I say each one of them gave me something to move forward in my life. Like gave me the perspective or gave me a good trait. Like waiting tables gave me the confidence to go up and start conversations and to just kind of have these, have banter between people that I don't even know, you know, and befriend them. And by the end of the night, you know, they're on my side or they're giving me a bigger tip or, you know, I always thought that was fun and challenging and I enjoyed the conversation working in construction. I just always knew, you know, how to work hard from the military and instilled that for me. So I carried on that trait and just working harder than all the others. Cause I knew I was my father's son, you know? Um, and then um, what was my other job that I say? I don't remember what, what did I do. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah. I, I forgot too. <laughs> Yeah, I forgot. It was so long. Oh man, it's so long. Ago. <laughs> yeah, it, it was. Um, who cares? Yeah, I mean, you know, when you ask that, I think that, like, from a perspective or my perspective, I just try to take take something from each job. You know, um, it, none of them were my favorite, but I always tried to find some. My favorite job is being a, a pilot, obviously, <laughs> hands down. But but you know, those things I needed to do to get to this place. So I just. How I looked at it then was a means to end, but also a learning experience. So, for sure. So, being in the military, I know this just the, with the discipline and the structure that it provides, especially the Army. Would you say that it was imperative for your success during school? Here's the thing for me, I, was, I wasn't the, the, the smartest guy. I, I'm, I'm terrible in math. That's why we have FMSs, <laughs> you know, in the jet. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, I, I'm, you know, I, I'm really a subpar guy, but when it comes to things that I, I want, I work harder than anybody else. Um, you know, so when it came to my military service, I was dedicated because that's something that I wanted to do, you know, um, and how that translates to aviation is just that core value of just knowing that, you know, I work just putting in the effort because I knew the end result would be, you know, um, positive. I mean, I just, um, yeah, I, I would, obvi yeah, obviously translate it. And, and, um, you know, it's funny. It's really weird. Um, when you get into, are you, are you still working? Are you in your CFI yet? Or are you still doing your training for, um, where are you at in your training? Yeah. Uh, commercial. Commercial. Okay. You know, what's funny is, and, and for you and I, we come from the service. I run into pilots who are just, just thankful that I show up on time. I'm like, are you serious? Like, that's, that's not a requirement. Like that's, you, you know, people aren't here, you know, it, it just baffles me that, you know, a lot of people who don't come from that background are just, you know, it, um, it's not a given these days is what I'm trying to say. So yeah, it definitely helped my career. Absolutely. Yeah. Like for, for me, I graduated high school in 2012. And so from 2012 to 2015, I was, trying to figure out what I wanted to do. I was hopping around different colleges, different majors, um, same woman though, the entire time. So I guess oh, yeah. <laughs> a little disability there, but um, joined the military in 2015. And I mean, it, it was, it, for me, it, that's what I needed. 
um, at, at least for the success, uh, quote unquote, success of um, being a professional student uh, in terms of passing my classes, doing what I like. You know, when I started taking aviation courses here at Baylor University, um, you know, I've, I've, I have two classes to go right now until I graduate, but uh, my, my GPA ended up being in the aviation courses like 3.7, 3.8. And so I knew that I was enjoying what I was doing, but more importantly, uh, the military instilled that discipline in me of hard work, um, you know, beyond just like we be on time. If, if you're early, you're on time. If you're on time, you're late and late is unacceptable. So, right. Um, okay. So uh, after your, uh, after college uh, geology and was that a minor in meteorology or did you just take meteorology courses? Uh, it was, it was geography. So geology and geography are different. So I don't know if I said that correctly, but it was geography. Um, geography. And, and it's yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. You're like, dude, shut up nerds. <laughs> no, no, no. I said it wrong. I said it wrong. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I study maps. I have a vast knowledge of maps. <laughs> but uh, yeah, afterwards, or excuse me, meteorology, um, I just emphasized in that. I didn't get a minor or anything. I just took all meteorology classes. So I, when I say emphasis, that just means I took a bunch of meteorology classes for the credits that I needed. But um, yeah, after that, um, I went to, I graduated and about that time I passed my instrument rating and then I went, uh, I found a school because I, I knew I had a job on the other side because of my, my acquaintance or family friend who, who had a, two aircraft or at least one at the time, the King Air was on lease back with the 135 charter company in my local area in Fresno. And so I was like, you know, I knew I could get there. I just had to, to, to get the commercial and the multi-engine out of the way. So what I did, and it wasn't the most economical way, but I, I went down to this place called Angel City Flyers in Long Beach, California. They fly DA-42 Twin Stars, you know, the ones that look like sperm. Yeah, like, sure, a yeah. I've heard mosquitoes, but sure, we can go with that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, they're a cool airplane, but they have no useful load. You know, if you, if your if your mission is to to take someone somewhere, you're only taking about one other person, or maybe you know two others. But anyways, um, they had DA forty twos, NGs, and I went to do my multi engine, and then right after that, multi engine commercial. Um, so I could log all my multi-engine commercial time as PIC. So that's why I did my multi-engine first. So there was a method to the madness. I mean, it costs a lot, but that allowed me to log that, you know, 20 plus hours of commercial time uh, for my commercial rating for PIC. So I didn't have my actual single engine land commercial until after I started working um, at the 135 charter company later on. So um, I went back and just knocked out that ASL com um, later on. And gotcha. then, yeah, yeah. So, so being a geography major, um, you know, before we get more into aviation, um, it I know it drives me crazy when people tell me like, um, for instance, like, so I'm in Texas, right, and you're in California. So when people say, "Oh yeah, it's it's up there or over there," or you know, sure. It, it drives me crazy when people are like, oh, yeah, just north of here, right? But it's actually south. And does that drive you crazy? Yeah, yeah you know, um, 
that uh, you mean my girlfriend? <laughs> no, God bless her heart, man. She's she's amazing. She's actually um, she's a uh, pilot as well. But anyways, that's um that's uh, that's another discussion. Um, but yeah, I I, I I hear I feel your pain. Um, it's funny, you know those games you play those quiz. What's the quiz games on your phone that like all the millennials play or Gen Z or like. They're, they're always asking like those simple questions and, and it's like, dude, I crush on the maps when it comes, or not maps, but the geography questions. Oh boy, watch yeah. out. <laughs> you know, it, it's so simple too. They're just like asking just, you know, like name a continent. <laughs> sure. Um, let's see, Texas. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, going back uh, with, your, your flight training. So, um, sure. with, with making it economical and obviously that was extremely beneficial for what you moved into. Uh, how, how did you come upon that position with like the King air 200 and citation Bravo? Was that just through networking and, and, um, and yeah. started your CFI later, right? Correct. Yeah. I just got my CFI done. Um, um, so that's, I think that's another thing with aviation. It's all about who you know. So, you know, once again, I think one of the keys is, is just putting yourself out there um, and, and networking and being um, approachable. I mean, if you befriend people, you're going to go places. Like if you're, you know, when I, the reason why I got my Cush Part 91 job, which we'll get into later, is because I gelled and mesh and I was just the, the gentleman that I fly with, like we just got along and he offered me a job with this extreme salary, only working so many, you know, like we flew 99 hours last year and I got paid a six figure salary, you know, like <laughs> it's unheard of. But the reason why I got the job is because we flew together one day on a contract trip on a citation and he was just like, Hey, you're a cool guy. Like, do you want to come, you know, work for us. And, you know, it's just, it's, I believe that's the biggest, like you can, everyone has the knowledge, you know, you can see the saying, you can teach monkeys to fly. It's, it's true. I mean, as you progress through airframes, you know, things do get more complex and systems do get more complex, but the guy you're flying with, the guy you're living with for the week or, you know, so on doing trips with is they, you want someone you can hang out with that you can be friends with and like you and I have commonality, you know, like you want those type of people. So, you know, my biggest thing is just like you asked, how did I get that job? Mind you, it was because it was a family friend who owned those aircraft, but you know, I had to go talk to the chief pilot and the chief pilot was actually into um, classical guitar and me being a musician, I had just taken a flamenco, which is some sort of, you know, classic guitar. It's more Spanish guitar course in college and so i brought him this beautiful flamenco guitar that i had made from spain and that was just made by this like who makes all the you know um all the big names in flamenco's uh, guitars so i brought it to my interview i brought the guitar with me to the interview and you know it just kind of it set me apart no I, I i did but the the secretary was looking at me like i was from a different planet like she's like what are you doing she getting in a job <laughs> yeah i'm getting a job <laughs> yeah yeah so anyways um i knew i knew um the gentleman who had the king air 200 who leased it back to that charter company 
I started in the right seat on trips because I don't know if you knew this, but in part 135, sometimes your clients ask for a second pilot, even though King Air is single pilot um, rated, um, they, the, the, the um, client might ask for a second pilot. Or if you're doing trips, I did a lot of trips called, um, I don't know the exact terminology, but for us, it was called TTSI. And it was, um, we would transport um, uh, medical, not medical crews, but uh, like nurses and doctors who would go amputate or who would take organs out and it'd be time sensitive. And we would need to fly the, the, the medical um, people and the organ back somewhere. So like we would fly them, they would do the operation and we fly them back and they always required two uh, pilots. And so that's where I got a lot of my time in the right seat of the King Air. I didn't, um, and I, some companies, you know, and then this is just for anyone listening, some companies do have, you know, if you are looking to get that multi-engine turbine time there, you could ask the company, there is a SIC program that the FAA rolled out and that 135 charter companies can enroll in to where you can log King Air time even though the king air is a single pilot aircraft you can log it as sic if the faa um, acknowledges that program with that 135 charter so um that's legit and that obviously that's what you did um our company didn't do it i got i got put on that citation real quick like i i sat in the right seat of the king air i just i took every like you like you said military background whatever i made myself available. I didn't have a life. I, I took, I raised my hand for every flight. You know, those TTSI medical uh, flights were usually one or two in the morning, you know, um, or, you know, they're just late night. Like they're, they weren't the easiest, you know, flights. So I just always raised my hand, always answered my phone, always had it on call. I was always there early, always did what I could um, to make the, the captain's life easy. And by doing that, I made myself a candidate. And when they got the citation, once again, who you know, the citation happened to be our family friends plane. So mind you, that played a played somewhat of a role. But the captain that I flew with, he wasn't a um, a lot of people didn't really jive with him. And I got to know him. I just made it a point to get to know him on a personal level and befriend him. And I just that was my strong suit. I just made a friend out of anyone. And he was a, he's amazing, just this genius, um, mechanical, electrical, mechanical engineer degree from, he's from Belarus and he flew for a Belarusian airline. He used to fly Antonov 120s up in the Arctic circle with like a handheld GPS, dude, as like your only, only source of navigation, because obviously up there, the magnetic fields, and they were literally rolling up there with just a handheld GPS, uh, you know, flying Antonovs to the Arctic Circle. And then he flew 747s for Skyly's cargo. And so he had this illustrious career, but he was kind of uh, a lot of people not very approachable because, you know, just being Belarusian, people just, you know, from different cultures have different uh, outlooks and they're not maybe the warm, warmest people. And uh, I just, you know, I just made it a point, not made it a point, but just befriended him and got close and he, he tapped me on the shoulder. He's like, Hey, I want you to be my SIC. So at 500 hours, man, that was the most scariest thing I've ever done in my life. My first type check ride, I was like, these people are spending this much money on me. I'm going to, I'm going to fail. Like the first sim, I was like, I'm going to fail this check ride. Like I was so far behind the airplane. I just, you know, I was just 
my eyes were, you know, like I, there was, uh, yeah. Anyways, you can tell. I can't Similar to like your, 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 when, whenever you started your instrument training, you know, with, with yeah. that private going to instrument, I know it's two different things, but just that similar yeah. behind the airplane type of feeling. Well, the tempo, everything's just so fast paced. Like you got to think like, it's all about the tempo and and I just, but luckily as the days went by and, and if this gives any hope to anyone who's going through their initial typewriting, as the days went by, it just, it got easier, not easier, but it just, you, you caught up and having a, having a, um, co-pilot, you know, luckily I had an amazing co-pilot and he was, um, you know, they, they keep you out of trouble. Like captain, would you like this right now? You know, <laughs> you're like, Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe I should put full flaps, you know, when we're a couple hundred feet off the ground for landing. <laughs> yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you mentioned your uh, the the guitar, the flamingo guitar, and I know that yeah. music is is a passion of yours. So how how did you get into music, and when when did that become a part of your life? Uh, so my parents bought me a guitar when I was ten, and I played, and I got less. I I was taught from when I was ten to. 20 or something no maybe a little bit i don't want to say that long but i would say like um yeah whatever i was like a good a good you know seven so years of just being taught guitar so i became very affluent in guitar and then i learned piano as well and i kind of like can play the drums and whatever i'm not great or anything but that was a that was a really great um thing my parents did I'm really appreciative because I never got into like video games and stuff I was always a musician and uh, girls like musicians not video game gamers <laughs> <laughs> until they start making all the millions of dollars like that one dude ninja or something I don't know like oh yeah, yeah sure those guys make like <laughs> as much as rock stars now oh yeah I mean with uh you know with the music I can't really relate with that, but you know, as far as you're a pilot, military, musician, I mean, girls probably just flock to you naturally, huh? No, not really. <laughs> I'm saying that because my girlfriend's going to listen to this later. Um, yeah. No worries. I'm damaged good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So when you first started with the, uh, uh, what was that SIC in the, in the Bravo, that was 135? Yes, sir. Um, and that was interesting, man. That that was really an incredible learning experience because um, we had to do proving runs. So something when you bring a new aircraft onto a certificate, you have to do something called proving runs with the FAA. And so we did proving runs with uh, Bravo. And we had, I, I kid you not, we had, because there had to be um, a fed there for maintenance. Um, so there was for our director of maintenance was being overwatched by a maintenance fed. And then we had all sorts of other feds that, you know, through the spectrum, I don't know, I don't remember exactly their job titles, but we had maybe five, five people, six people in that Bravo, you know, full grown adults for 20 hours. We had to do it for 20 hours and we had to fly those 20 hours. For some reason, the company was like, okay, we're going to do this within three days or something it was just it was bonkers and <laughs> and so they don't they didn't have to create any of our problems we for our like not us as the pilots but just the aircraft started just creating like the mfd in the middle went down 
right on our first flight or something like that. And so then, you know, we had to show that we could defer the equipment using the MEL and the feds were watching that. And they're like, oh, you know, this is great. And then, uh, so we went on from there and we're going into, uh, we're flying over the Sierras, we're heading east and we're going to, um, our first stop was Bishop. Um, which is just off of Mammoth. Uh, Mammoth Lakes is a great, a big ski community area, and there's an airport up there, and then there's Bishop. Well, another one of our OPSPECs, the operation specifications that each 135 operator has to adhere to, was that you have to have communication with uh, aircraft or someone on the ground. I don't remember what OPSPEC it is. I'm probably butchering it, and some of the guys who are listening to this are probably screaming at the top of their lungs, but I don't, I don't remember, but we could we couldn't get a hold of someone or I don't really know the exact cause, but so we couldn't land there. So, you know, because we had to show that we're operating within this realm, you know, to our 135. And so we went missed and the missed approach on that Bishop uh, was in the MOA over the Sierras where all the China Lake Navy guys do their dogfighting and bomb stuff and or not bomb stuff, but dogfighting. And so the the controller, I have the Fed, mind you, behind us with the headphones on. The controller is freaking out. He's like, "What are you, where, where are you guys going? Why are you going through the MOA? And we're like, we're like, that that's on the approach plate. Like, what, what are you talking about? And mind you, we don't have an MFD. So we don't really have like the visual. We just have the FMS flying those legs. And I'm like talking to the controller. I'm trying to program the FMS. This guy's going, you know, bananas and trying to give us like, you know, he doesn't want us to fly the published miss. The feds listening and and I'm trying to figure out an alternate. Wow. And so, you know, with to have our reserves, you know, because you know, we're IFR, you know, we have to have all those reserves and stuff. And so we ended up settling on Cedar City and we moved on. But that, that just kind of gives you a glimpse into what, what those couple of days were like. And and it was just incredible. Like we flew it was ridiculous. We like flew up to Portland or something, flew to um, uh, Salt Lake City and then to Denver and then all the way back from Denver to just in one night, like, or in one day just to, to, to get all those hours. And that's really taxing. So, yeah, um, that sounds exhausting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And at the end, like everyone was so tired. We had a bird strike on our nose and the pilot and I were just like, don't say anything unless they say anything. And then like, I found out later talking to the Fed, <laughs> he was just like, yeah, we weren't going to say anything. <laughs> you guys didn't say anything. <laughs> like I, I jumped out the aircraft and like cleaned off the nose real quick. Like it was just a little, you know, it was a little deepsy bird, just hit it on the nose. And, uh, I just cleaned it off real quick before they got out the aircraft and went to the FBO. So that's funny. For sure. So how long did you do that 135 stint? just for a year and i got on so i flew that citation and what was really cool is you know this kind of plays into my whole skiing background and and i like thank you for saying professional but i was just a sponsored skier like i i, I went to like the junior olympics and stuff i wasn't like professional professional but you know like good enough to get a sponsorship so it's more than nine um, percent of people <laughs> yeah yeah so anyways um i um while I was flying that 135, that Bravo, we ended up picking up, uh, doing a dry lease with um, Mammoth Mountain, which the ski resort I just spoke of, um, their executives ended up dry leasing. And during this time, they're rolling out their um, Icon Pass. Icon Pass gives you 
uh, ski pass, not only to Mammoth if you buy it, but to also to Squaw Valley, which is another ski resort in California. I think they changed the name now. And then it gives you a pass to Aspen and your pass works, you know, you know, in Colorado, it works in California, you know, at these resorts that come together and to form this icon pass. And so it was really cool because I, when I was doing my ski career at Mammoth, I, my coach actually became the COO of Mammoth. And I knew the owner from just hit, just being in the same circles and living in Mammoth because it's such a small town. And so we, I ended up going from being a student or a skier of my coach to actually flying him and them around to all these cool airports like Telluride, Aspen, um, Eagle, all those high altitude airports that everyone dreads, you know, which are really, you know, they're, they're, they create, you know, their own problems with themselves. But um, it was a really cool experience getting to come full circle, you know, to, um, to have the opportunity to fly my old coach around and also, you know, the owner of Mammoth. So that was cool. cool. And, that, and that's in the G150 now? No, that was in the Bravo. We were oh, doing yeah. that all in the Bravo. Yeah, yeah. No, that was still at the 135 company. And, and uh, you know, you have great stories from that because you have to, you know, I don't know how much you know about 135 stuff, but you have single engine climb requirements. And one day I remember telling the, um, it was the same day that I met uh, Kevin Cosner. You know who Kevin Cosner is? Or you I see, sure yeah. do. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, he pulled, he pulled up right next to us and I guess he has a ranch up there. And you mean Mr. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm trying to think. What's his other? What's his other? Uh, was it Waterworld and uh, Dancing with the Wolves? Anyways, um, so we told the the um, CEO and Mammoth we're like, "Hey, we need you here by a certain time because the temperature. Once it got over that certain point, we have this program called APG, which does all our runway calculations for us. And being 135, you have to meet a single engine climb requirement." So we couldn't meet that climb requirement on two engines, no problem. But if we chuck the engine, you still have to make, to be able to maintain that so many feet per minute on that departure procedure. So we knew by calculating and running numbers with the amount of fuel on board, you know, and obviously the altitude, the airport and the temperature that there was a no go, go decision, you know, a point where the temperature got to a certain point where like we couldn't do it. And so we told him and we asked and they're like, you're going to be there. Right. And he's like, yeah, of course. And, you know, obviously the story would end there, but it, you know, he wasn't. And so we, um, this is just a cool experience. Uh, we had to figure out, we got one of the mechanics associated with FBO and they literally got um, a hose plugged it to our electric driven pump and we turned on our batteries and we took the cowling off and we literally started downloading fuel into these gallon, I don't know what the, the how much they contain, but you know, the big gallon buckets and we we're just offloading fuel. And I'm just sitting there with the mechanics and that's when, um, that's when, uh, what's his name walks around uh, the actor and uh, just shakes it. Yeah, Kevin Costner, he just shakes his head and it's just like, um, but yeah. So what we did was we, you know, got the fuel off we literally paid for a bunch of fuel and then we took all that fuel off and uh, just to make that climb requirement. And then we just ended up landing in Grand Junction, getting more fuel and then heading back out to California. So, um, you know, these are things that people don't really 
think about when they get into aviation and you experience them and it's, and it's kind of, um, it's a cool, it's a, it's a rite of passage, I guess. It's a cool experience. For sure. I've, I've heard a lot of, uh, at least around the college environment, you know, once, uh, students get their CFI, CFII, they're like, Oh, thank goodness. I'm done studying. I'm done. Uh, you know, ha- having to worry about getting in the books when in reality, it's probably just, you know, the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. So, uh, when, when did you transition out of that 135? So I, flying that citation, I flew a trip, like I said, with the gentleman I fly now, who's a really close friend of mine. Um, and he, he and I flew together and he was like, Hey, um, seemed like a solid dude. And would you like this job? Um, because I was planning on going to the airlines at that time, but I have a deficiency or limitation on my medical that says, uh, not valid for color signal during daylight hours because I'm actually colorblind. Um, well, to a certain extent. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, you can, you can yeah, color. yeah. Like, you don't have to make yeah. out certain colors. Oh, I can make out all the colors on the charts. I can make out all the colors, but during daytime, if you give me a color signal from the tower, I can't differentiate white or green. Interesting. Okay. Which you'll never get that. You'll never, if you if you know anything about color signals, besides that they're antiquated, um, <laughs> you would never you would never know green or or excuse me, you would never get a white and green together. White would just tell you to go back to taxing, and then the rest of the time, green would just tell you to land, etc. So I passed. So I like I had to go out and do that and try to get that limitation off, but I couldn't get the daytime. I could get the nighttime. I could differentiate those. So that was kind of a hindrance where I applied for SkyWest and I met all the qualifications, you know, the interview passed all that, but their chief, like they have within the company, a person who is specially dedicated to medicals, like making sure that all their airmen are, you know, in compliance with the FAA and they didn't really have any guidance on my limitations. So that kind of hindered my ability to, you know, I did, I don't know how far they wanted to pursue it, if that makes sense. Like, it seemed like they had, you know, they're like, oh, okay, we'll look into it. But it didn't seem like they really did much after that. And they're just like, you know. So I I was lucky enough to get this Part 91 job where I live in Fresno, flying 150 hours a year, hours, not days. And, you know, getting paid a great salary. And the gentleman I work with, he's 10 years older than me. And, we, you know, just like you and I, we have all um, similar likes. Like, we're both into working out and when we're on trips we try to go to you know as many baseball games or you know we go to yankee games or you know um, as much as we can um and so it's a really great time being on the road with someone that you have that you're very like-minded with so i got that job um started working for that company um almost three years ago now and i've been there ever since and it's an awesome mission um today not so awesome i'm in uh wisconsin and i was in cleveland yesterday in cincinnati so that's a it's not our best mission but we usually get to go to really cool places um and uh i get you know i i kind of i have the ability to do a lot of things i love like you know we spoke about you know being a musician and and uh, skiing well uh, and then as well as uh you know, I, I went back and did my CFI because I have so much time on my hands now. So 
I'm really fortunate to, to have that um, ability to not have to commute for my job and to have my job in Fresno and it, it being part 91. Cause once you get into this side of things, you'll start to see that, you know, I mean, 135 and 121, it's, it, it's, um, you know, it, it does create, um, in those scenarios, it creates more complex scenarios, obviously, because you're having to adhere to those more stringent, you know, visibility requirements or, you know, you know, anything as far as that. For sure. So, um, I guess the listeners will, will want to, I guess, better understand, uh, I've, I bet some of them just went, what he didn't have a CFI and he did all this awesome stuff. So what, you know, when, when did the CFI come into play and in, in terms of you're like, you know what, I might as well get it. And, uh, yeah. just, just how did that come about? Well, disclaimer, I think that the way I did everything was, was kind of cool from the outside perspective and anyone's perspective, like maybe in your position being a commercial pilot. But I think that the proper way and after having done the CFI, I think going the CFI route is I think that's the best way to to get to where I'm at, though I didn't have to do it. I mean, just in 2017 and as things progress, just to give hope to your listeners, I mean, we're going to need pilots extremely like it, it just it's the deficit is, you know, there's not enough guys out there and they're, you know, all the corporate guys I know are getting hired by United. And, and uh, so you don't have to go to the regionals, by the way, just another thing you can get hired. You know, I know guys at three, some guy I know just got hired at United around like 3000 some hours. He obviously had a recommendation and stuff, but he was corporate all the way, but he did his CFI and stuff first. So, um, you know, I, I, I think that's the most viable way. I think it's gonna I think it's the best way. Like I, I was really fortunate, but I honestly think that the CFI, like going back and doing my CFI now, I was, you know, I was it was eye opening. I was like, Oh man, like I'm flying jets, I should know I should know this stuff. Like, you know. <laughs> like it was a really good it was a really good um refresher for sure. That's cool. And and so you're doing that on the side. Yeah. And, and it's great now, man. I like, you know, obviously cost of living in California is a little bit different than Texas, but you know, I mean, I guess it's getting there now because we're all moving out to Texas because California is California, but uh, you know, you can make 70 bucks an hour as a CFI right now. Wow. You know? And I think the limitation of CFI for days, eight hours of instruction. Um, cool. Okay. Uh, and spe- speaking of side hustles too, so uh, going back kind of to that musician, so you, you're corporate pilot, you know, full time, but then CFI on the side and also uh, DJ, correct? Yeah, that's that's my page. You know, I didn't have Instagram for the longest time. Uh, I never had any social media, um, but that was the only way I could get gigs. And then I just played on the whole being a pilot thing, you know, like, you know, uh, I shamefully admit it, but like, you know, it does help, <laughs> you know, for sure. <laughs> but in, especially in the 21st century, um, you know, that, that just goes to show that uh, people do business with people they know, they like, and they trust. And one of those things that people find out about other people is through social media. Like that's the first thing that people typically sure. look up on you. And, and so I'm sure that that's been a very, uh, very good way of, of other people being able to find you. Yeah. I mean, it's just cool because, you know, um, I don't know, it gives you a little bit of an edge, you know, everyone is fascinated with aviation, even though we just hit autopilot and go, 
you know? <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, uh, I mean, you earn your money some, you know, there's those days where you earn your money, your keep. But um, yeah, I, 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 having my job, I really had to, you know, going back to you saying structure and all that stuff. I had to get back to um, having structure. And so preparing for gigs, I love just, I, I'm like, I've always been a musician. So I love finding music. And what I'll do is I'll take vinyl that you can't even find the MP3 version online. And I'll take a vinyl and I'll buy it. Like my, my girlfriend for, and I'll forever love her for this. She bought me a $400 vinyl, dude. How crazy is that uh, for Christmas or something? Because it was a, a Barbados 1980s rock band. And they printed the vinyl was, um, they did it, the distribution out of Barbados. So it wasn't like in America where these vinyls were printed, like a, you know, a copious amount. It was out of Barbados. So obviously the manufacturing is limited. So these vinyls were just really rare. And I took, you know, I wanted just, you know, one or two songs off that vinyl. So, you know, she loved me enough to know that like that meant something to me. And so that's what I'm saying is like, Outside of aviation, having so much free time on my hands, I have that 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 structure to create, you know, these sets and these this music that, um, you know, if someone tried to shazam the song or they're like, oh, I like that so much, they won't be able to find it, you know, online. And that's where I really take my pride in my my, you know, my music. So, um, yeah, so I really enjoy that aspect of of having that time to do that, and my job allows me to. I'm very fortunate, so. For sure. And it, it's cool to listen to you too, because, you know, I know, I know you love being a pilot, but when you start talking about music, uh, the, the passion and, and, and your voice and the, your, your whole, uh, you know, demeanor changes, like it, it just, it's such a positive uh, vibe that you just start giving off. And I know people are really attracted to that just in terms of uh, whether it's going to be doing business with you or just reaching out and talking with you, just like what you were saying with when you brief befriended the, the, uh, uh, the captain on that, uh, yeah. uh, on the Bravo, you know? And so I think yeah. that's really, that's something really unique and cool about you is, um, you know, you're able to relate on a lot of different levels with, with, with people. And, um, you know, that, it, it's a lost art that it, uh, at least in today's society um, with, with, you know, some of the things that you've been through. Yeah, I think that a lot of that's transitioned online, um, unfortunately. And, and you know what? There is there is positive to it. Like, you know, there are Facebook pages to anyone who's out there. I just got into that. Like, you know, my company is cool with me contracting. So I can literally go out and make an X amount on the golf stream a day and go contract. You know, I picked up a contract trip to Costa Rica uh, a year or two back uh, from Miami to Costa Rica. So you get to do these cool missions outside of your own mission. So um, and that's all extra income. Obviously it's 1099, but that's why I started, I have my company called all the way air, but, and what's cool about that name is that was our, uh, battalions motto for jumping out of airplanes, like all the way, you know, so I was, so I just, I just took it and made it all the way air. And now, um, I know we spoke, you're like, you need to get website and stuff, but honestly, that's just, to be honest, that's a, that's an IRS thing. That's just for me to funnel money <laughs> into. And so I can, so I can drive cool cars. <laughs> you know, you I, I write, I write off all my expensive, you know, BMWs through my company. So um, anyways, uh, but yeah, what's really great about my job is I can go out and contract and that's, that's the beauty of it. You know, I never thought Jeff, like I honestly, 
honest to God opinion, I never thought there was any other career path besides military or airline. I, I never, I, I thought that was, as a child, I thought that was the only way I could be a pilot. And here I am sitting at a job that I'm, you know, I you know, work so much and I can actually go and try to get more work and get paid on top of my salary, which is just, it's incredible. It's, it's so cool to be able to, to, to do that. Yeah. For sure. Uh, you know, again, going back with the, with this, you know, I'm, I'm in a university environment and, and uh, the, the, the students here, when they, when they mention what they want to do, like it's, it's very direct and not open, you know, the airlines, I want to airline pilot. That's it. That's all I want to do. You know, all this other stuff sounds cool, but airline, you know, they, they don't know the possibilities like with what your corporate pilot CFI musician like you're you're able to set your to an extent set your own schedule and still make great money doing what you love like it's it's possible yeah you know what's really cool is you find the right owner too so like when i say part 91 like that's a blessing but then finding the right owner too like our owner doesn't blink an eye when a huge maintenance event comes up you know he understands that we need excess training like it just and he's respectful he's older he doesn't fly at night like all our mission consists of is you know i i don't want to say nine to five but like you know it's 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 within work hours like we're we're moving during the day it's not some you know flying for dan balzarian at three o'clock in the morning going to some island you know with a bunch of bimbos in the back you know <laughs> like it's yeah. it's you know it's 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 and we know like they're they're just like the airlines man they they put something on the schedule and they stick to it and we know two three weeks if not more in advance like i have a trip coming up i think on the 29th i get back i have a week off and then i have another trip coming up and i've known about that for about a week or two now so it's incredible that if you find the right owner it's really important that you know because there's a lot of people unfortunately you know in the corporate world that are um they're not on time or they have these just, you know, Hey, let's go to Vegas that, you know, I call you an hour ago and I want you to be at the airport in an hour. And, you know, it's just like, it's unfortunate because there's a lot of guys who, you know, don't have that great job where they have to cater to those owners needs. I mean, obviously they're being paid by the owners and like, that's the job that they have, but you know, you always try to try to find something, especially in the part 91 world where it works like this. So I'm very, very fortunate. It's that balance, you know, and, and it sounds like you've, you've found the, the jackpot per se, you know, of, of balance between, you know, hey, be ready in an hour and, oh, the, there's a trip coming up in three weeks. Right. And, and, and you know, and I'm just being honest, this is just me being transparent. Um, it, it's still hard for me to give up the whole premonition of being an airline pilot. Like I, I just, like I was doing some applying around to see, you know, on some um, larger cabin aircraft, like, you know, Challenger 604, like the bigger ones that go to Europe and stuff. And uh, I, I really do have to humble myself sometimes and realize that I have a good, you know, like talking to like yourself, you know, seeing your, your you know, like or hearing your response. Like I, I do have to, you know, Cause there is still that, like, you know, that college kid, or like you said, the kids in your flight school, they're like, I want to fly the heavy, you know, go straight to the airlines. I'm going to fly triple seven in so many years, but you know, I hear from old pilots all the time, you know, bigger the plane, bigger the suitcase. And, you know, I really have to 
there's something inside of me that I have to come to terms with that like I have it good and I don't need to be on, you know, a you know global six seventy five hundred or Challenger six hundred four going across you know to Europe. You know, like I have a, a, a good life, you know, if that makes sense. Like it's some, some days I have to admit, like I do want that, but I have to also consider what I do have, you know, the, the whole sure. glass is full. Yeah. I mean, that's another awesome quality that you have, you know, um, we're the type of people we don't like to talk about ourselves, um, especially with in front of others and, and to others or, or receive compliments. But at the same time, like, you know, just like what you've told me, like, man, that you have a lot to be proud of and, and what you've accomplished in your career. And it's really cool to be able to, sh- to talk with you about it and about your story and, and, um, just everything that you're doing and are going to do because, you know, you're still young. It's not like you're 80 or, you know, 60, 65. And you, you've you, a lot of people, uh, or at least maybe uh, a lot of pilots with, if, if they had the career that you've had up until now and they were 65, they, they would think that was great. Right. And you're still essentially in the middle, in, in the early stages of it. And it, it's just really yeah. cool. man. so I, you know, thank you for sharing that, for sharing your story. Yeah, I mean, I think that a lot of people, um, once you get into aviation, you're going to find out that it's not what you thought, not from the standpoint. Aviation will be everything that, like, you, myself, that whole love that we share for it. Like, you know, I don't feel like I work a day. And, you know, that's so cliche, but it's true. I, I look, when I go to work, I'm just, I'm just, I just want to fly. You know, I just want to get up there. Like, it's, it, I'm just like a kid in a candy store. You know, like, it's just the best thing in the world. It, but, there's things that come with it where you're younger and you thought that you had to be that 747 captain, you know, but I have an amazing life in Fresno. I have this job. They didn't fire me during Corona. My boss passed away. I had knee surgery this year. I told my ACL scheme, um, you know, and they still kept me on and, you know, gave me a raise. <laughs> like, you know, it's just, you can't, you can't allow your, you have to, there's some point where you have to start to think a little bit critical, you know, not letting your, your dreams die, but just realizing that you have it good, if that makes sense. Like, um, you know, um, so that's, uh, that's something that I've had to come to terms with. So, but I'm really like, I'm just happy to, to be doing what I do. For sure. So out of all the aircraft you've flown which which, which has been your favorite? Oh. Um, you know, I flew, I have an SIC and a Falcon, uh, 50 and Falcons with a three, they're three holers, you know, like they have the three engines mm-hmm. and Falcons are just known for being pilots jets. Like they fly like fighter jets. Cool. They're very agile and they're very, uh, light on the controls. So I like that one, but I also like, I would say the Bravo. I mean, I like, dude, I couldn't tell you one, but, I'll give you one for each. The Bravo, it flies like a Cessna. You can slow that thing down to 90 knots on approach and you're just looking outside and you're just like, man, we're still, we're still here. We're still <laughs> like, it, you can get, it's a straight wing aircraft and it's so forgiving. And I just love that. It was like a perfect, it was like the perfect jet with training wheels, like flying the Citation 550 or 500 series. So I think those are just amazing segues into like the swept wing aircraft. Like, the G-150, I love it because we can go far. The G-150 is a flying fuel tank. It takes 10,300 pounds of fuel. So we can go straight to the Bahamas from California. 
you know, nonstop. So like, that's really cool because you have an amazing mission and that G150 where we go to Savannah, New York, you know, Chicago, um, uh, Bahamas, Mexico, whatever, you know, you get to go to all these cool places, you know, and everyone back home is super jealous, you know, and once again, the Falcon, the Falcon 50 is just, you know, incredibly, uh, it's just a cool performing jet. So all of them. Yeah. Awesome. What, what would be that your favorite, you know, you, you mentioned, you met, you, you met, uh, Kevin Costner. Is, is there another story that, uh, that really stands out? <laughs> um, I mean, you get to see famous people and stuff. You, you, you kind of, you have to be professional, obviously you can't, you can't just like go up to them and stuff, but you're like, Hey dude, that's, that's for sure. That's that guy. <laughs> like I know who that is. I've seen him somewhere. <laughs> yeah. But um I I don't know. I mean I I mean I have plenty of stories, but I mean I'm just I I couldn't think of just one more. Um it doesn't even have to be like meeting somebody else, just whether you know, your favorite just one a, a trip that um I hate to say your favorite trip because as a pilot there's not one trip that's the same and you've you've yeah. done dozens of flights right so it, it i know it's hard yeah. to hold it down but you know just just one one memorable uh event that that really uh would stand out um i don't know i could get brownie points with my girlfriend and say it's the first time we flew together Man, hey, that's awesome. no, that's, yeah that's but cool. yeah i mean it was really cool we were uh we uh yeah, she, her and I worked together at that uh, charter company and then I moved on and she, her father actually owns a, or they own a uh, fixed wing and uh, rotorcraft flight school in Fresno. So, um, but anyways, we, our first flight together was really, um, it was fun because like we were, I didn't know like in what context, you know, I was like being professional because I didn't, you know, we both worked in the same company and I didn't know. But just, it was kind of funny how awkward we were, not awkward, but, you know, just getting to know each other and not knowing what, you know, it, it was just, a, it was a very unique flight. But like from a professional standpoint, man, I'll tell you like all the, my, my coworker, he loves to go to, he wants to go to every stadium and he gets us tickets like four rows back. So we go to Yankee games and we sit like four rows back. We go, yes. you know, we go Cleveland. We were like one row back. We went to the Predators game for my birthday, and that was during COVID. And that's like when Nashville lifted their uh, restrictions, so like everyone in the building didn't have a mask on, and like the whole place was crowded. And like I had just come from California, you know, like you know, good old call me California. And I'm just like, oh, just my God, thank you. Like you know, and that's what's really cool. And 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 anyone who's listening. I think that there's merit to both like airlines and, and corporate. Like, I think there's, you know, there's benefits, pros and cons to each, but what I really like and what I've really found and come to love is that when you're off for corporate, like you fly somewhere and then you're down for like five days or something, you know, like we could go to Cabo and we're off for five days and I'm sitting at the beach getting paid to go scuba diving or something, you know, like at the airlines you're on, you get 12 off and then you're back on, you know? So that's something maybe, anyone who's listening, they can, they can consider, um, you know, making that decision. For sure. So again, Jeff, I want to thank you for your time today, man. If, if people want to follow you, connect with you, you know, where, where is a good place for them to do that? Uh, 
I mean, my Instagram, it's not my name. It's, it's my DJ name. Um, it's Vice Lear. So yeah, I'll give you a little context behind that. I know we're running short on time, but I asked my buddy, I was like, Hey, what's synonymous? He's my DJ buddy. I was like, what do you think is synonymous with aviation? He's like the Lear jet. And then like, I, I like the whole eighties Miami vibe. So I took Miami vice. So I took vice and then the Lear jet and I just put it together. So it's vice Lear V I C E L E A R. Uh, that's my DJ name for now. Who knows what will be in the future? <laughs> Bro, that's, but, that's uh, a sick name. I, I love your your Instagram account is one of the coolest I follow, and I, I really enjoy when, uh, the con the the content you put out. I love the '80s vibe, but I also just just the way that you brand it. It I really enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, and not to go too too off the beaten path, but as far as like I know you mentioned crypto earlier, but that that profile picture, dude. Yeah. That's one of the NFTs. Like, so I started off in crypto like a year plus ago and I made a bunch of bunch of money in Ethereum. And I just took that money and bought like that NFT, that Cyberkong NFT for, I don't want to disclose the price, but man, that thing was more, worth more than a Rolex, dude, that little monkey. <laughs> so like, that's like the, that's what I think is like the new flex. Like, I mean, obviously you can see it, but like, you know, you take your Apple watch and like, that's why I really think of what's really cool and defining about crypto. And that's, not to get right into it but like it, it's like the new flex it's like the new where things are going people are going in the metaverse and stuff people are investing in digital land and like cryptocurrencies like if you think about it like the fiat uh, fiat everything else has moved to digital like the only thing that we still trade you know this paper is is money it's like you know it's it's old so like i i once again having so much time on my hands i kind of got into it and that's giving me a little context to why i have a monkey on my vice layer profile picture so that's cool though yeah. yep that's awesome we're gonna have to do a, another episode of you know an update on jeff kearns and and uh, the, the crypto in the crypto space and and uh uh you know see see what type of jet that you're gonna own with all that crypto money yeah well uh, yeah dude you'll probably get one before me your company's super successful and everyone i see i refer them to your your uh I actually have I have it somewhere with me right now. Your uh, far aims, dude. That's I tell every every one of my students, everyone I run into, like they they have to have that. So I mean, it, your product is incredible, and what you're doing is incredible, and I'm really appreciative of you having me on this uh, podcast today. Well, thank you, brother. I do appreciate it. And uh, hey, guys, go ahead and go go follow Jeff. Uh, connect with him. I'm sure he'd be willing if you reach out in DMs to answer any questions you may have on being a corporate pilot, a DJ a crypto expert, a professional skier, uh, anything that you want to hit Jeff up with, um, you know, I, I know he'd be willing to, to talk with you. So again, Jeff, thank you for your time today. Yeah, thank you, Jeff, man. Have a good day. Thank you for tuning into the Leaders of Aviation podcast. Make sure to share this with someone you know that can benefit from this content. Remember to support this show by rating, reviewing, and subscribing.